Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicmultiverse.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our X2 and Wonder Woman episodes. I'll be giving you my reactions to the comics that Seven James recommended on last week's podcast. Um, Those were God Loves, Man Kills, and Ultimate X-Men Volume 1. But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. Um, And we'll start off with uh, the very sad news that came uh, out of DC and the Justice League movie this week, which is that Zack Snyder and his wife Deborah Snyder are stepping away from the uh, back end of production of that film uh, due to the death of their daughter in March. and obviously, aside from any of the kind of ramifications on the film and all of the other details involved, this is probably the strangest and most upsetting news I think I've had to uh, report on related to uh, superhero movies. Um, and as I tweeted out on the podcast account at the time, just our, our thoughts go out to Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder and their family on what must have been an awful few months. Um, their daughter took her own life in March and the pair tried to continue working on the movie Um, and after two months of doing that I've kind of realised that it was too much and they they would have to step away Um, and so uh, obviously that's a very very tragic situation and uh, the state of the movie now is that the Snyders will uh, no longer be working on the film Zack Snyder's already shot the majority of the movie. There are some reshoots that are going to happen and there is uh, some of the post-production process which still needs to come together uh, before the film's released later in the year. Apparently the release date won't change. And then the bizarre aspect of this is, uh, on top of all of that, I guess, is that Joss Whedon, who um, is obviously best known in, in these circles for directing The Avengers... Uh, will be the guy stepping into the brink and taking over. Um, He recently joined the kind of DC family when he was announced as the director of Batgirl. Um, And apparently he'd already been working alongside Zack Snyder in the last couple of weeks um, on the film. He's going to be the guy that directs the uh, reshoots. He's going to be uh, the guy who oversees post-production and... 
Um, I think basically just finishing off the job that Zack Snyder start, started. It sounds like he's not going to take it, change the approach whatsoever. He's going to finish off what Zack Snyder wanted to do with the film. Um, and I think that's the right thing to do. Um, so obviously, uh, horrible news. And um, yeah, uh, it's this not the way you would like to uh, kick off talking about superhero movies. But yeah, I reiterate, our thoughts are with Zack and Zeb, Deborah Snyder and their entire family. And, you know, hopefully stepping away from the film is what they need to do and gives them the, the kind of... Uh, uh, opportunity to recover that they so obviously need. Um, we'll stick with DC news now, and um, the Flash movie uh, has sounded at various points in a degree of disarray. Um, this is obviously the Ezra Miller starring uh, the Flash, which has gone through a couple of directors being attached and departing the project already. Um, there was a bit of panic last week uh, when it was announced that Billy Crudup was leaving the film. Now, obviously, that was strange because he's already filmed scenes for Justice League. In fact, he's in the Justice League trailer. He's playing Barry Allen's dad. So it would have been very strange if he then decided he wasn't going to be in The Flash. Um, apparently, that's not the case. Um, that's been clarified in a Hollywood Reporter article. Uh, but the film is still searching for a director. Uh, we mentioned this on the end of the last episode that Robert Zemeckis was the front runner. Apparently, that's still the case. The other names that are in the running are um, Matthew Vaughn, who obviously has lots of comic book pedigree with X Men First Class, Kick Ass, um, and two Kingsman films. Um, and then Sam Raimi was a name that was also linked, um, but apparently, Sam Raimi has uh, removed himself from the running. Um, so. Zemeckis sounds like the front runner, and as we all said on the last podcast, kind of that's one of the names that you could attach to a flash film that would make us interested. So um, I hope that comes together because I would like to see Ezra Miller um, having his own superhero movie. I think that would be really fun, and if it's anything like the fun that the Flash is on the small screen, then yeah, sign me up. Um, another DC movie though that has lost its director is Justice League Dark. Uh, Doug Lyman has um, departed that project again very strangely after kind of giving a number of interviews on the projects that were bouncing around online just just a week or so ago. Um, apparently he's leaving due to scheduling conflicts. Um, he is attached to direct a film called Chaos Walking uh, with Lionsgate. Um, but yeah, this is just bizarre because Doug Lyman left Gambit about a year ago. Um, he was attached to direct Gambit and he departed that project. He was attached now to direct Justice League Dark and he's departed that. And this is another DC movie that has lost its director. Um, so who knows what will happen with Justice League Dark now. This would this was the kind of the one DC movie that I think I had the least faith in happening. Um, but they, they've obviously announced quite a few Um We'll see whether this recovers and gets a new director. I expect Guillermo del Toro will become reattached at some point um, cause he, um, and, and will subsequently not direct it. Um, but yeah, Justice League Dark now also without a director. Um, and then a final little bit of DC news before we move on. Um, an actor who I'm not familiar with, um, but his name is uh, Ludi Lin, and he has been cast as the character of Merc in Aquaman. Um, and apparently Merc is the leader of the Men at War who are Atlantis's army. Um, so a little bit of casting news for Aquaman there, which I believe is currently filming. Um, and uh, so I think 
when those de- when those reshoots for Justice League are happening, you'll have uh, Jason Momoa bouncing between the sets of the two movies. Um, but maybe maybe the space for another another couple of cameos now if they're uh, if they're rounding out the cast of Aquaman and they're shooting the DC reshoots, the Justice League reshoots at the same time. Uh, we'll move on to Sony now, and it's been a very busy week or so for Sony, um, at least since we recorded our last podcast. Um, it sounds like Sony are absolutely moving ahead with the idea of lots of spin-offs to the Spider-Man franchise, which was something they were originally flirting with doing during the Amazing Spider-Man era. Um, there was talk back then that there was going to be a Venom movie, that there was going to be um, a Silver Sable movie, that there was going to be a Sinister Six movie, and um, we're actually going to be getting two of those. Um, we'll start off with the big one, which is that there is going to be a Venom movie directed by Ruben Fleischer, who um, probably best known as the director of Zombieland, and uh, will star Tom Hardy. Um I think this is a huge get for Sony getting Tom Hardy. Uh, he's obviously a, a, like a widely loved actor. He has a lot of comic book cred because of his Bane performance. Um, and um, I mean, that, there's, that, that was a, a performance that got a little bit of fun poked at it because of the, because of the way his voice was. Um, but I think Tom Hardy is a guy that everyone kind of likes to an extent. And um his casting as Eddie Brock in Venom is fascinating. Um, he becomes the biggest star in the Sony Spider-Man universe, if you don't count uh, Robert Downey Jr., which I don't. Um, and yeah, so he's going to have a Venom movie, presumably before he turns up in a Spider-Man movie. And I do wonder whether now the approach to this kind of Spider-Man universe from Sony is going to be to introduce these characters in their own films and eventually make them cross over. Um, and eventually, maybe you do a Venom movie where he's an anti-hero, and then he gets to play a Spider-Man villain down the line. Um, so I'm excited about Tom Hardy. I'm less convinced about Ruben Fleischer. He followed up Zombieland with 30 Minutes or Less and um, Gangster Squad, uh, both of which um, I think kind of fell flat. Um, I was uh, hugely looking forward to those films at the time because of his name, and I think the sheen has has gone off his work so, some, uh, somewhat after those two films. Um, but he did direct Zombieland, which is like it is visually interesting. There is some fun stuff going on in there. It is an absolute riot. Um, and so you would hope that that wasn't entirely down to the writers and the performers, that the director had something to do with it as well. Um, and it will be interesting to see what they come up with for this Tom Hardy Venom movie. Um, it's got a release date. It's going to be coming out on the October the 5th, 2018. Uh, so in about 18 months from now. Um, and obviously before a, a second Spider-Man film. Um, and yeah, this is going to be pure Sony. There is This is, this is uh, presumably not part of the MCU, although I imagine that's going to start to get a little bit muddy <laughs> once once Spider-Man is showing up in Infinity War, but there is a character connected to him in a Sony movie that has nothing to do with the MCU. Um, okay, um, and then the other spin-off that has been announced is Silver and Black, uh, which, first of all, very cool name, uh, which will be focused on the characters of Silver Sable and the Black Cat. Now, I don't know Silver Sable that well. Uh, Black Cat I'm a little bit more familiar with just from appearances in the comics. Obviously, she was uh, briefly played by Felicity, Jones, by Felicity Jones in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, although just her Felicia Hardy alter ego and never 
um, actually the black cat. Uh, she's she's kind of um, a cat burglar, and Silver Sable, I believe, is a mercenary. Um, and um, I seem to remember back when all those Sony leaks were going on that the Silver Sable movie they were talking about doing was potentially going to be exploring kind of like multiverses and just jumping between uh different universes and kind of meeting different versions of spider-man and different villains from different universes and that's what they were going to be doing um so i guess if you're watching the flash a little bit like gypsy in that um i don't know whether that's the approach they're taking here um i think the most interesting thing about this is that um there's no casting yet but they have announced a director um and that's gina prince uh bifward who directed the secret life of bees um, I haven't seen that film, but what's notable is that um, she will be the first director of colour to direct a superhero movie. Um, I mean, Ava DuVernay was recently just the first black director, black female director to direct a $100 million movie um, with A Wrinkle in Time, which is coming out next year. Um, and I think it's pretty cool that now the studios are looking at female directors and saying hey, we can kind of pick female directors out of kind of indie obscurity in much the same way that we can with male directors. So, um, you know, someone like Colin Trevorrow getting called up to direct Jurassic World is, uh, after directing an, an indie Sundance movie, isn't a million miles away from this. Um, I think there is, to a degree, still this kind of ghetto that it is a female director being um, attached to a female-led superhero movie. Um, and it'll be cool the first time when it actually comes to fruition, unlike Patty Jenkins on um, Thor The Dark World. But it'll be pretty cool when a female director is just hired to direct a male superhero movie and um, gets to actually do it next time. Um, but that's, so that's Silver and Black, um, which apparently is looking to start production later this year. So uh, we might be hearing about casting sooner rather than later. Um, and it might be the case that by the time we get to a Spider-Man Homecoming sequel, we've already seen two, if not more, of these Spider-Man spin-offs. Hopefully not that young Aunt May movie that they were planning, um, but they probably don't need to do that anymore, given that the Spider-Man movies have a young, young Aunt May in them. Um, and then on those Spider-Man movies, we should talk about those. There were two new Spider-Man Homecoming trailers this week. Um, one of them uh, was kind of standard fare. We'd seen most of the stuff in there already. The second one, an international trailer, um, had a little bit more of John Favreau as Happy Hogan. There was some uh, fun like uh, shots of Tom Holland or uh, Peter Parker filming himself during on his mobile phone during the cut scene, the scenes from uh, Captain America: Civil War. Um, there was a lot more of the Vulture. There was a lot more um, about his plan and how it ties actually into the MCU and the Avengers and the alien tech from the Chitauri. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more spoilery. These uh, Spider-Man trailers have been very spoilery. I feel like I've seen most of the film already, but I'm still really looking forward to it. Uh, the more I see of Tom Holland, the more perfect he sees, seems for this part. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to be long now. I think it's, uh, I think it's less than a month before we get to see Spider-Man Homecoming. So that should be pretty great when we get to it. Um, and then finally, this is still Sony stuff, but it's not Spider-Man stuff. Because Sony are also trying to launch that Valiant comic book universe. And the first character that they're going to be giving a movie to is Bloodshot. Um, I know nothing about this. I've asked Seven James to explain this concept to me a number of times on the podcast. And I, it's just gone out of my head. But Bloodshot is a character. He's from a Valiant comic book. Um, and apparently uh, Sony are looking for some pretty 
big looking at some pretty big actors for this role i think they want to make it into into a pretty big superhero thing um and so the names that were in a rap article this week were oscar isaac james mcavoy and mark Wahlberg, um who can probably all open a movie um and yeah are all are all pretty well to various degrees all pretty good <laughs> sorry Mark Wahlberg um and yeah so Bloodshot maybe it will get a big star it has to be said it this sounds like it's firmly a wish list rather than like a, a list of people that they are like choosing between for the role uh, but we'll see whether Bloodshot comes together and whether they do get the kind of star that they want um, over to Fox now and the X-Men and Rosario Dawson is in talks to join New Mutants. Um, Rosario Dawson, obviously best known, I think, around these parts anyway, for uh, her role as Claire Temple on the Defender shows. Um, Rosario Dawson's awesome. She, every time she turns up on those shows, they get better. She's a great actress. Um, she's actually got quite a lot of comic book pedigree now. Like she was in Sin City, um, Men in Black 2, if you kind of kind of if you want to count that as a comic book movie um and uh yeah and obviously all of these um and there's something else which i forget but she's in something she's in something else as well but and oh uh, she's in the lego batman movie isn't she of course as batgirl um and now potentially in new mutants um she'd be uh playing a mentor to the team of new mutants um and josh boone's also been talking about this film and saying that he's going for a straight-up horror vibe with it, and that it's going to be unlike anything you've seen from superhero movies before, that there's not going to be any supervillains or costumes, and it's going to be very dark and character-driven and kind of, uh, like, um, about these kind of teens who've been trapped away trying to come to terms with who they are and what they are, and it sounds really fascinating to me i'm increasingly looking forward to new mutants um especially with rosario dawson joining the cast um and uh it sounds like it's going to be kind of i mean they're doing the demon bear saga so it will be i think uh, pr primarily driven by the Maisie williams and anya taylor joy characters um and it's starting to make a little bit more sense. I remember James saying on the podcast that the Demon Bear Saga just didn't sound like a story that you would adapt for a superhero movie. But if they're taking this different kind of uh, trippy, uh, character-driven horror approach instead, it makes a little bit more sense from what I know of the Demon Bear Saga on the page. Um, so that is New Mutants. And then um, Jack Kessie has been um, hired to play a villain in Deadpool 2. Um, so it sounds like Cable isn't going to be the villain. It's going to be this kind of odd, buddy relationship between Cable and uh, Deadpool. And the um, the talk on Deadline, uh, which reported this casting, was that he could be playing a character called Black Tom, who, um, according to that article, is a Dublin-born mutant who can manipulate, bond with, and project energy through plant life. Um, he's also capable of issuing concussive blasts with a wooden object. Um, and, I'd, again, this is an actor I'm not really familiar with. Apparently he was in The Strain. Um, I don't think Deadpool is going to be too overly concerned with its villain and the plot. I think it's uh, that's if it's anything like the first film, that will be the case. Um, I, I can barely remember Ajax. Um, but yeah, Jack Kessie has joined the cast of that film. Um, last bit of movie news is that the Hellboy reboot has a title. It's going to be called Rise of the Blood Queen and it is being shot around at Cannes. Um, and then a couple of TV tidbits. Um, the 
finales for all of the Flash uh, Flarrow-verse shows have been airing this week. No spoilers, because um, I haven't seen them yet, because we're a week behind in terms of broadcast uh, date in the UK. Um, so I'll be waiting next week um, to, well, to basically watch the end of The Flash. Uh, but apparently The the Thinker is likely to be a Flash Season 4 villain, or THE Flash Season 4 villain, after being name-dropped for the second time on the show in that finale. Um, and um, and then we also got a trailer for Black Lightning, which um, apparently they're double downing on and saying it's yes, it's on the CW, but it's definitely not in the in the universe of the other shows, and it's not going to be crossing over. Um, so that'll be interesting how they manage that and how long they how long they manage to stick with that approach before they decide hmm maybe we could do with a ratings bump on whichever of these two shows are not performing as well as the others let's either put black lightning in those or let's put the other characters into black lightning for a week um apparently it's not going to happen but i just don't believe them okay that is the comic book movie and tv news section for this week uh loads of news this week um sorry for banging on for so long about that um but i'll move on now to the comic books that seb and james recommended on last week's podcast um, and so obviously we were talking X2 last week and uh, we've got two X-Men recommendations uh, from Seven James. Um, I'm going to start off with James's recommendation, which was God Loves Man Kills uh, from Chris Claremont and Brent Eric Anderson. And um, I'm going to start off with this one because it was the one that I enjoyed the most. Um, it's also the one that, um, I mean, I started off the news section on a very kind of dour downbeat note with the Zack Snyder news um and it there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's funny, actually, because as the Zack Snyder news was breaking um, on what was, I think, Monday night here in the UK, I was uh, sat in front of my laptop um, just kind of uh, scrolling through Twitter and I kind of saw that news. And it was at the same time that I was reading news that um, in Manchester, which is a city uh, about 
an hour in between where Seb and I live. It's probably Seb and I live about two hours apart. It's probably smack bang in the middle, a little bit nearer to Seb, but Manchester is somewhere close to both of us and accessible. That there was a concert and that there had there was reports of an explosion and um that, that there was I was talking with some of my friends on a messenger client and uh, some friends who lived in Manchester and saying no, apparently it could be balloons or it could be a, a speaker exploding um and it was this just bizarre couple of hours where you, I was reading this Zack Snyder news which I, I was like moved and upset by and then seeing that this news coming from Manchester wasn't um it wasn't a hoax it wasn't a speaker it wasn't an explosion it it, it, it wasn't balloons popping it was a, a terrorist attack and as we all know now 22 people died um in uh yeah which were a, a really tragic heartbreaking terror attack which targeted children and families and um it's just some of the most horrible, heartbreaking news you're ever going to encounter. And obviously, it hits a little bit closer to home when it's nearer to you as well. Um, and so reading God Loves Man Kills, uh, to, to link this all back this week, uh, it was a difficult read. This is a comic about religious extremism, essentially which is what we were seeing coming from Manchester. And it's a comic which, in the first couple of pages, there are two children gunned down by a group of characters called, um, I think it's the Pacifiers, um, who are gunned down because they're mutants. And um, it was this This was a difficult read for me. It was... Um, a bit of a a bit of a profound read for me as well like it's an it's uh, it's an excellent comic it might be my favorite x-men comic that has been recommended to me during the course of this podcast um it's um a single graphic novel 64 pages long and uh it's about um a preacher essentially called william striker who is kind of this guy who's going on tv he's seen early on debating with professor x um, about the mutant problem um, and essentially saying that that mutants are unnatural and that um, they're not they don't adhere to to God's will and God's view of the and, and how God made us and that they're an abomination basically um, and because he's quite charismatic and because because he's used to being on TV. Um, he's quite good at getting across that rhetoric um, and it strikes a chime with a lot of people and I mean not for the first time on this podcast I'm going to make this comparison um, weirdly there's there's a lot of Donald Trump to him that like because he was used to television and used to audiences and used to getting getting his way through certain means he was able to connect with a group of people through some fairly hateful rhetoric and to get away with some fairly awful things um or saying some fairly awful things and i mean in donald trump's case saying that he'd done some fairly awful things um and it not really mattering so there's a there's a donald trump parallel here which is uncomfortable um but then the the i mean i'm not really going to end up talking much about the x-men because i think the passage from the comic that that really struck a chord with me um was the 
scene where Stryker kind of explains why he hates mutants. Um, I, I mean, the the broad strokes of the comics are that he is he is presenting himself as a as a pastor, as a preacher, as a guy who just wants the mutant problem to go away. We as an audience pretty much know from word go that he's connected to these pacifier characters, that he's the one who's responsible for them being gunned down in the street, for children being murdered. And he kidnaps Professor X and turns him into a weapon, so similar to X2. Um, he kidnaps and tortures Cyclops and Storm. They're eventually able to escape. And basically, the end of the comic is him performing this big rally where he is essentially trying to get everyone on his side um, about uh, and, and closer to his dream of more nefarious means of wiping out mutants. And so I would imagine kind of in, I don't know where this sits in the X-Men uh, like canon and lore, but it's, it's written by Chris Claremont, so I assume it does sit in with all that stuff. But I assume the kind of stuff that would lead to sentinels being deployed to wipe out mutants rather than just his kind of faction going and doing it um but yeah the the, the and, and so there is there's kind of a showdown and all of that stuff it's it's fine but the the really interesting stuff to me was this this two pages in like kind of smack bang in the middle of the comic and striker is explaining why he hates mutants and he says because you exist and that existence is an affront to the lord and then we have a flashback to when he was younger and he was in the army and his wife was pregnant and they were in a car crash and he says we never made it alone in the middle of the nevada desert i delivered my son he it was a monster faced with that abomination i did what had to be done and when marcy half unconscious asked for her baby i took her in my arms held her grin close and broke her neck and, you know, so this is immediately, you're seeing from that, this is an evil, horrible man who has seen a baby, his child, who looks different, who doesn't look how he expects them to look. And, you know, whether you include kind of like some kind of PTSD in there that has made him kind of uh, act that way, I, I, I don't really think that the, the character is basically an inexcusable monster from that part from that point when you hear what he's done but the next page continues the flashback and he puts them in the car and lets the car explode and kind of burns his wife and child beyond recognition and he says, and try as I might, I couldn't forget it. I was a war hero of a Class A record, so the army turned a blind eye to my drinking and fighting. I'd suffered, um, I'd suffered a terrible loss. They were prepared to be patient, to a point. And then he hears that he's struck off from the, from he's been booted out of the army, and he says, I touched, I touched bottom without even the guts to kill myself. Then I saw a magazine article by Charles Xavier about mutants. After months of torment, I knew what the monster was, a mutant. But could I have fathered such a creature? Was my life so wicked that the Lord sought to punish me through my son? And if so, why then let me live? If I was evil, shouldn't I have to be condemned to eternal damnation? I prayed for guidance. It was given me. The evil, the sin, was Marcy's, not mine. She was the vessel used by God to reveal unto me Satan's most insidious plot against humanity, to corrupt us through our children while they were still in the womb. 
The Lord created man and woman in his image, blessed with his grace. Mutants broke that sacred mould. They were creations not of God, but of the devil. And I had been chosen to lead the fight against them. And I think that passage struck home so much with me because here was a character who'd committed an evil, horrible act, who had a twisted viewpoint on the world, on who deserved to live and who deserved to die. And he couldn't deal with the guilt of what he'd done. So he found a way to excuse it. He found a way to say, oh no, this is this is God. This is God's will. This is what God wants from the world. And this evil from the world must be coming from Satan. And this horrible thing that I've done, this horrible thing that I'm going to want to continue to do, which is to lead the fight against mutants, against these people that I hate for no reason other than that they are different from me, that I'm going to justify that through religious means and retroactively use religion and use that as a way to blame his wife and his child for something that he did. Um, and again, I coming so close after the Manchester attacks where there are people committing horrible acts of violence um, and blaming it or using religion as their justification um, I found it uh, a very affecting passage to read and um, a very difficult comic to read uh, but yeah uh, a really really great one um, and so I would say if you've been like affected by the events of the week then maybe um, this isn't the week to read that comic um, uh, I mean I think it would have been uh, a difficult read because like because I say because there are the Trump parallels there as well um, it, because uh, the flip side of that and you know the way that some people have reacted to this attack which is to blame an entire group of people um, uh, is is troubling and difficult and you see both sides of that in here and the X-Men universe is always complicated um, as I'll go into on the next recommendation in that You've got a kind of a group of people who are hated by society and there are people within that group of people, within the mutant society, um, Magneto and his group, who do often themselves act in extremist ways, uh, So, which, which kind of muddies the water. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I think, I think I probably just need to leave that there. Uh, but obviously... Um, I think this is a very good comic and um, I thought it was a, a very affecting read this week. Um, and I'll move on now to Ultimate X-Men Volume 1, which is from Mark Miller and Adam Kuber. Um, I've been recommended a lot of Ultimate comics on the podcast during the last couple of weeks. Um, we did Ultimate Fantastic Four, um, The Ultimates, and now Ultimate X-Men, which I will say was firmly my least favourite of the three. Um... I wouldn't say it's bad, I think it's um, a fairly easy read, but there were a number of things, and I'm probably going to end up saying more that I didn't like about this than I did like about it, uh, but there were a number of things that put me off. Um, first of all, I really didn't like the character design, um, especially the way that the female characters are drawn. There is, uh, it feels very, uh, is it cheesecakey the word? I can't remember, but the 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 way that it kind of fetishizes the 
female body and uh the, these especially these characters like Jean Grey and Storm who are the two main female characters here um are supposed to be like 19 and it feels a little bit skeevy and there's a sex scene involving Jean Grey which again I found kind of uncomfortable and I think this is the side of Mark Miller that I don't like I think the Mark Miller stuff this sort of stuff works really well in something like the Ultimates where his satirical overtones seem so clear and explicit that they make total sense um I don't think there is any satire or any broader point in this comic um and um yeah and, and there was just there was a lot of that kind of a lot of the more cynical Mark Miller stuff in this comic that I just didn't feel was serving a wider point so I didn't really like it um there was again like characters uh in in the same way as they were in the ultimates kind of like the ultimate insult was like being called a girl or a sissy or any kind of question of masculinity or heterosexuality um which um i found uncomfortable um and then i just i wasn't sold on the world building of this comic this is a, a comic that's kind of like starting off the x-men in the ultimate universe but mutants have to have existed in this world for a longer period of time to have the charles magneto like a uh, long-standing relationship and um I, I just didn't I didn't buy the world that he was presenting like sentinels already exist sentinels are state sponsored and are being sent out to murder mutants in the street they are attacking people in Times Square in the first issue of this comic and accusing, uh, causing huge amounts of devastation and brutally murdering mutants um, and uh, like everyone cheers for it there's no nuance to how the rest of the outside world views mutants they are kind of widely hated and the explanation for that is that magneto and the brotherhood of evil mutants which in this is kind of like toad and um uh, quicksilver and scarlet witch and i think uh megamind who i think was the character that uh seven james said uh jason striker was based on it's not megamind is it it's mastermind megamind's the will ferrell <laughs> Um, animated movie um but yeah the character that apparently jason striker was based on and um they've they've created they've committed some kind of terroristic acts in in this uh like it, it previous to this comic starting and so mutants are hated and uh mutant children are shunned by their parents and there's no kind of there's no kind of nuance to it it's everyone hates mutants and the arc of this first six issues is basically Charles Xavier trying to form this team of X-Men to go and stand up for humans in the world as they are, uh, well, to save to save other mutants who have been hunted by Sentinels, but also to kind of save the humans that are targeted by Magneto and the Brotherhood um, as a way to kind of show to the uh, American government and to the world that not all mutants are bad and to stop the Sentinel program. Um the main team is Cyclops, Storm, Jean Grey, Colossus, and Beast. Wolverine also turns up. Wolverine turns up to begin with as a um, assassin hired by Magneto to kill Charles Xavier, but falls in love with Jean Grey and then buys into Xavier's message, and so is no longer an assassin. But it's kind of just like it's slowly like it's just throughout the issues it's magneto going oh i'm sure he'll he'll definitely still kill magneto he just hasn't done it yet because he obviously fancies a girl over there 
and then it just never it never gets to that point and originally eventually Wolverine says oh yeah this is what I'd come to do but now I'm not going to do that anymore and it feels like a plot line that was maybe abandoned halfway through that that there was going to be a showdown but there wasn't space for it or it felt like it would be uh, too bad to show Wolverine in that light I don't know but again it feels kind of like compromised because in the Ultimates I don't feel like Mark Miller was pulling his punches on any of these characters um, and uh, there's there's also midway through this comic Cyclops becomes disillusioned with the X-Men goes off, joins the Brotherhood the Brotherhood then re- well, Magneto reprograms the Sentinels and sends them to destroy every human being in America and M- Cyclops is like oh no, well then that's too much I'm going to go back and join Charles Xavier and he's part of the team again by the end of the comic and it just feels uh I don't know. It just it it felt ridiculous, and yeah. So I I ended up like like I said. I thought it was like a, a decent, fun, clip long read. I just didn't buy into the world, and I didn't like any of the characters, and I didn't feel like it had a wider thing to say. So I felt like, hey, here's a comic that's competently put together, that's that I can at least invest in because I know what the X, the general X-Men setup is. So even though this world hasn't been built fantastically, I can kind of get the vibe because I know X-Men. Um, but like in terms of uh, universe and meeting the X-Men for the first time and then seeing a world built around them, I have enjoyed the X-Men movies more, uh, both First Class and the first X-Men movie. I've enjoyed... Um, X-Men Season 1, which I think is probably still one of my other favourite comic uh, X-Men recommendations from the podcast. That was one that I really enjoyed. Um, And even the first first issues of the the Lee and Kirby X-Men. I think it's Lee and Kirby. I hope so. Um, But definitely the early Stan Lee stuff um, that was recommended on the podcast as well. I enjoyed that more than this. Um, So if you want your kind of like introduction to the X-Men, I would go somewhere else. Um, I don't know whether Ultimate X-Men got any better. Um, after this but I kind of thought it was just fine but it had more stuff that I could pick out that annoyed me than stuff that I could pick out that I really enjoyed um, so that was Ultimate X-Men Volume 1 from Mark Miller and Adam Kubert um, and that's it for this week um, I hope you'll excuse the lengthy um, mini-sode uh, we're almost getting into mega-sode territory um, but there was a lot to cover this week and uh yeah, um, hopefully it wasn't too dour and downbeat. Um, there's uh, a lot of good, happy stuff going on in the world, and uh, let's focus on that instead. Hey, we've got Wonder Woman coming out next week, the first female superhero movie, and I can't wait to see it. Um, I'm hearing it's got Captain America First Avenger vibes, and if it has, could be uh, one of my new favourite superhero movies. Um, so don't forget that the next episode is going to be um, on Wonder Woman we'll get that podcast to you as soon as we've seen the film and we're able to get together and record it I think it's released on Wednesday so hopefully we'll have something out maybe uh, between Friday and the end of the week Um, don't forget that if you're enjoying the show that you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM or your podcast app of choice and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe Uh, You can find more episodes of the show at cinematicmultiverse.com and you can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at cu underscore podcast or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. And just as a final note, um, uh, just as a little tease, um, we've got some pretty exciting news that we're going to be announcing on the next couple of weeks on the podcast. Um, So I'll I'll just leave you with that tease. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be exciting to be able to tell you what that news is. 
but thanks for listening and we will see you next week. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.